Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back, you guys, to Totally Stoked Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Travis, and I'm so thankful that you guys are here. Today, I'm sitting down with a woman who is currently rocking my socks off. She's totally inspiring me to embrace my body as it is and to recognize that this container that my soul resides in is a really powerful vehicle for self-expression. This is a woman whose early life struggles with anxiety, self-loathing, and eating disorders propelled her to explore how the connection between mind, body, and heart facilitated self-healing and transformation. Today, she guides people through a signature method that combines modern science and ancient wisdom steeped in meditation, yoga, breathwork, and contemplative psychotherapy to support people in restoring their relationship with their bodies and cultivating radical, compassionate self-expression. She's a spiritual mentor, a meditation guide, yoga teacher, visionary, and healer, a guiding light for humans seeking their way in the world, please give a warm welcome, you guys, to Moon De Simone. Welcome to the show, baby girl. Well, hello, my dear. Wow, wow, wow. What a welcome. Thank you. It's, yeah, you're a, you're a wow factor. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, every time I consume your content, I feel activated. I feel just literally, you know, we had a couple minutes before um, you came on the show and I was on your Instagram on your story highlights and I was doing your face stretches (laughs) because this is one of the things that you do for embodiment, right? Is it one of your daily practices is to just in whatever way feels organic for you, stretch the muscles of your face. That's something we don't usually do. Um, And I was like, yeah, I'm going to add this to my little morning routine because this feels good in my body. And I think there's not enough things that we do just because like, we're like, yeah, that feels good. Right, And I think the funny thing too about the face stretches is that it's something one so simple and it brings out this layer of like playfulness and giggle and laughter and like feels a little bit silly, which I think it's really powerful to just activate a little bit more in this life that we're sometimes so serious about going to the next thing and making sure that we're doing the right thing to just like stop and do face stretches. I mean, if you are in New York, you will catch me walking down the street and doing face stretches and likely recording myself as well. And people will look at me and be like, what's happening? But then they smile as well. And then like, oh, okay, cool. There's something here. So yeah, it's definitely something that I do every single day and multiple times a day as a way to, you know, come back into my body to reset and just to, you know, soften and see what else can be released a little bit because we all, hold so much tension in our faces. No, we're thinking or we're pondering or we're looking and then the face is just starting to get too stressed. So yeah, I'm so happy that you resonate with that as well. One time I was at the ashram for my first 200 hour teacher training and one of the swamis shared with us one of the uh, the vows of sannyasin that they take when they commit to being a monk in this particular tradition. One of the vows that they make is that they won't hide their authentic smile from anyone, meaning yeah. if they're feeling joy, they won't hide it. And that felt radical to me. And I get chills even as I say it now, because it's like how often we walk through the world and we do, we wear this mask, this stone mask of like, whatever it is we think we're, our face is supposed to look like, right? You know, some people, some people's face naturally looks serious. They have that, you know, resting bitch face and that's totally fine. <laughs> and other people, like if, if they were left to their own devices, would walk around with just a big 
smile. I personally am a starer. Like I'm the person who like, I walk around with big eyes and my mouth hanging open because I'm <laughs> fascinated by things in the world. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes people will be like, Hey, you're staring. And I'm like, Oh yeah, but it's so cool. Whatever. It yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I think it's just beautiful to, it's beautiful to witness someone like yourself get to a place of, of peace with their body and I recognize that peace is a practice and it's something that we do ongoing, mm. um, but it's very inspiring to people. So for those who don't know you, your um, work <clears throat> is ultimately centered around healing, helping us self-heal. So I'm going to just get right into the meat. From what? How did, for you, from what? Why did you need to get into healing as a way of being? Good. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. So um, it all, the, the tipping point really happened sometime in 2014. You know, from the outside, you would see me on the streets. I lived in New York. I had this boyfriend for seven and a half years. I was living in this really cute apartment on Broom Street, making a lot of money. I had shifted from modeling into acting. And on the outside, I was happy. I was, you know, pretty. I was living the life that, quote unquote, I thought I was supposed to live. But every day I felt more and more and more disconnected from something that truly meant something. It's almost like the house on the outside looked really pretty, but on the inside there were molds in every corner. Mm. And I hadn't, I wasn't really having sex. I wasn't really connected to my body. The eating disorder had taken a whole other turn. I had ulcers, I had cystic acne, and I was just so angry. But when I was around people, I would always, like, everything's fine, no problem. Like that mask you mentioned, I was mm -hmm. really good at just, wearing this happy-go-lucky everything's always fine mask but when i was alone it was very uh, judgment and self-loathing and the very angry um internal dialogue which obviously i would judge myself and then naturally judge other people so this idea that i was happy and you know joyous was just a part of me because i was hiding this whole other side of me that i had suppressed all of this emotion um so one thing led to another my brother had come back from india and obviously all my my past karma and his past karma aligned that he will be in New York at the same time and kind of like push me into like, well, there's something really here. And I was ready. Now looking back, you know, I couldn't really go on living the way that I did any longer. So I found myself breaking up with this boyfriend and just realizing that I had put myself in this prison of being this girl without acknowledging that I'm this multitude of controversy. And completely unaware of the powers of my body because from 10 years of being a model and dealing with eating disorders, I was just never really comfortable or confident or aware of what is it that I truly carried that I could actually heal myself. I thought that I needed always something outside of myself, but there were, you know, drugs and alcohol and things to just numb and distract. So I find myself on a one-way ticket to India and I was you know, slowly introduced to Buddhism before I left. So I figured that I wanted to, you know, understand what is really happening here. Like what is going on in my mind that I'm so disconnected from my truth and from the present moment and from other people. So Buddhism was my entryway. And it, it, it's all when everything kind of just like broke. I sat in silence for 10 days. I met my first teacher, Venerable Sarah Trashler, who is this fantastic Buddhist nun, English, so witty and powerful and just clear and we sat together and I was in this course for 10 days and it was essentially as if all parts of me had just broken into, shattered into so many pieces, but I could see myself from a perspective that I had never before. I saw, you know, parts of my family that I had carried, how socially I had been conditioned to act in one way or respond this way. And I was like, well, I felt obviously very scared, but then there was a glimpse of potential here that I was like, oh, it really starts with me. It's all about how I can learn to respond to what's happening and how I can learn to accept myself and forgive myself because I was holding on to so much negativity and, you know, and couldn't really let go of harm that I had inflicted on myself and others. So knowing that we all have this potential to start again was like a huge point and also accepting that we all carry this inherent goodness that is underneath all this dust in this moldy and this conditioning was it was really scary because I was like well I'm a bad person I've done so many mistakes and I'm just this is it you know but no there's this potential so understanding that I could pull myself out of that in practice to 
cultivate this connection to my heart, which is what I call, you know, people may say your higher self or your soul or God. But to me, I just like to think of like, not just the physical heart, but like the spiritual heart, which is where this innate nature lives from my Buddhist background. It's kind of how I've adjusted into how I speak and share with clients. So the, it all really started when I had a little separation, a little space rather from the thoughts, from that tightness and rigidity that I felt that I was like, oh, wow, I'm having a breath and I'm just here, seated. You know, when you have the little glimpse, it's like you're in a dark room, but there's like one little match that lights on. You're like, oh, there's something. And then from that, oh, there's another one and there's another one. And then I started to feel a bit more like at ease and, you know, notice that there's so much power that I had, that we all have, but I was just so unaware of. And it, it really was like, take a second and stay in silence and look inside, you know, and like recognize who you are. And like you so beautifully said, the power of accepting my story and where I had come from was the entryway to accept and then truly forgive so that I could begin to really heal and, and really uncover this nature. Um, and it changed. It, it, everything really changed. Like I'm, I am a person that now I'm inspired to do this work and live happy and exciting an excited life rather than, you know, being like, well, maybe I'll just do it tomorrow or maybe, you know, and then this constant judgment and thinking that I needed to be like that person to be good or to be enough. Um, so it, it's a very fascinating thing because we live in a society that we're conditioned to think that something is outside of us to help us, or we take this pill and we feel better, or we wear this dress and you will be good. And it's, it's like, we ha it's much scarier and much more, intimate than that really in the beginning it feels really scary but once you have this cultivated this relationship with yourself and your body it's when so much light and space can really arise that you find wow i'm here and i'm enough just as i am mm. oh moon okay so so many beautiful things that you shared that i want to touch on so you went for this 10-day meditation your first 10-day meditation in india like you were not you were not messing around. You were like, I'm going <laughs> to, it's like, good Lord. You know, some people was like, I'm going to go for a two day retreat, you know, a Kripalu or something. No, you went, you went all the way. Um, was that a Vipassana? Was it a silent meditation or was it? What it was an introduction. It was an introduction to Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism mm -hmm. from the Mahayana tradition in Bodh Gaya, where the Buddha became enlightened. So mm -hmm. we, it was silent meditation, but there were teachings, you know, it was like, let's understand what is Buddhism? What is the nature of the mind? So, you know, we, we had teachings and we had space to meditate. And then we have, we had um, uh, a discussion group for 45 minutes every day, which was the only time that we were technically allowed to speak so we could share and kind of mm -hmm. process what was happening. But besides that, we would receive the teachings in silence, meditate, you know, because the Buddha says you receive the teachings and then you have to sit with it mm -hmm. and then you discuss and then you integrate and then you perhaps sit with it a little bit more and then you begin to share with others. So it takes mm -hmm. the process for, it's not just like, well, I just read this paragraph, so I'm going to tell you how it is. You know, there's a lot more of like integration and um, it's almost like, um, you know, you're making this soup. So you put on all the different seasonings, but you got to let it simmer. You got to let it sit there for a bit before you can really taste what's there. Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, let's just throw all this pepper in there and it'll be great. It doesn't work like that. Everything takes time to really integrate and heal and internalize. Yeah, it's like you have to allow your yourself to be infused with the um, with the power of the teachings. And I think that's really beautiful and really true across contemplative traditions regardless of what uh what dharma or what doctrine what teachings you're receiving there is this um yeah infusion this it's like you're you know we have to soak it into our to our being before we can really understand and sometimes that takes days or weeks and sometimes it takes years and mm -hmm. there you know there's there's uh teachings that I still have received on the intellectual level, but I know that they're still making their way through that permeation process. Okay, yeah. Moon. So one of the things that you said was that, that in that experience, you felt that you found a greater ability to respond and also to accept and forgive yourself because you were feeling like it was really difficult to let go of the harm that you'd inflicted on yourself. Um, and you also said that, you know, you felt a lot of times like you were a bad person and like you'd made all these mistakes. So 
in that shame spiral, because that's what that sounds like to me, and I know it intimately in my own life. Um, it's like, well, I fucked up all these things in my life. I had sex with all these men. I did all these drugs. I, you know, I made I made these poor choices. I didn't go to this college. I disappointed these people. So now I'm not worthy of anything beautiful in my life because I I did it wrong, right? And I feel like there's many people who go through their entire lives without breaking this paradigm, right? And it's it's just a mis it's just incorrect. Like it's just not it's not correct. You're in, like this is one of the things that you often teach on is that you're inherently worthy. But in order for people to um you know, people's favorite, well, a lot of people's favorite stories are the stories where they realize that other people are just as fucked up as they are. So when you share that you felt like you were a bad person and you made a lot of mistakes, you know, you mentioned that you were dealing with disordered eating, that maybe you were dealing with substance abuse, but what did your modeling years look like? What was that decade of 16 to 26 or whatever that time was that, that really got its talons of shame into you? What was going on in your life? Um, so people have the ability to really witness this incredible, powerful woman that they're hearing now that they know that you two sat in the shit. What was that like? Mm, we did all, I, we, yes, I love that you said it. We all have sat in the shit, you know what I mean? And I think that when we experience pain and suffering and shame, we feel like we're alone and, oh, I'm the only person that's committed this, this horrible thing so I'm I shall never speak about because if I don't maybe no one will know and you will be okay but it's not number one by sharing what we've experienced it humanizes like just hearing you say how much we've had in common it's often this little part of it's just like oh yeah that's right we've all had layers of this similar experience so I mean the ears of modeling were very telling in so many ways because it's like I grew up in Brazil and then I moved to the states when I was 16 but in Brazil, in a small town, if you're tall and skinny, you're going to be a model. Back in the day, that's it. So I was tall and I was skinny. So by the time I was 13, everyone around me was like, oh, you're going to be a model. So at that moment, my idea of beauty had already been conditioned to, well, if I'm going to be a model, I need to look like that. I need to look like the girl in the magazine, the girl in that fashion show. And I became obsessed with like watching the fashion shows and looking at the magazines and the faces and the hair in this. And obviously I would look at the magazines and look at myself, they're different because we're all different. So I started to completely feel disconnected because I was like, well, why do I have this rib? But why is this wider? But why is this breast and this and this arm? And the disorder started when I became completely disconnected to what I see in the mirror and what I feel inside. It's like, well, that's, that, that's not good. There's mm -hmm. something wrong here. Long story short, I became very 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 judgmental of myself and constantly competing and comparing myself to other people especially other women which then seeps into my relationship to women which took a long time to truly heal because i was like well no we're not friends you know how can we be friends if i'm judging you you're definitely judging me so no there's no real connection here i was very disconnected so to be around guys was so easy but women it was much scarier because i had to truly be vulnerable and i had learned to not be, to not open and be hard and, and rigid. So the years of modeling were a lot around, you no, know, not taking care of my body, of eating poorly, of abusing. One day I would eat a lot and then the next day I would take sleeping pills so that I would stay sleeping for two days while I waited for this confirmation of the casting that I went. So, you know, I wouldn't risk eating for those two days. So maybe I wouldn't gain that extra pounds mm -hmm. and abusing laxatives and, and drugs. Um, so when I was 22, I was 22, 21, 22, I moved to New York and I went on to participate on this um, TV competition show on Bravo, Make Me a Supermodel. So I was part of the second season. I was the last girl standing, met incredible people, participated in a lot of fun, amazing things. But that was like, whoa, there's a real problem here because I was very angry because I'm living in this house for three months with all these people going after the same thing with cameras on our face the entire day. And then I learned that if I curse on camera, they would cut it out. So that's what I would do. I became really, you know, just rude in this way. And like, wow, I noticed how, and then obviously my skin started wrecking, act out and then my gut and so many things out. My body's just like screaming. Now looking back, mm -hmm. I was like, well, you've been calling for me for so long, but I had, the voice was so, so soft because there's so much, 
separation. There was so much distance between me and who I truly am that I couldn't hear it. I finished the show. I went on to Motto and I moved to Paris. I moved to London. And, you know, my career was doing great. I was doing well. And I come back to New York and my brother had started a magazine and he's just like, why don't you come and become the photo director? And I was just like, oh my God, this is what I want. I'm done with modeling. By that time, I'm like 26 years old, which I'm old to be a model, 27, 26, you're old to be modeling unless you have, you know, really gone on to something else. So it was fun because I got to use what I had learned from the artistic aspect of modeling to be on the other side, to really be more inclusive, to really be more kind to the models and the team that I kind of wish I had at that time. Um, and I was like, well, there, I, that was a moment that I started to see that there was some, this little creative genius that was inside of me that had been dormant for so long. Because when you're a model, a lot of the times you're just whatever it is that they want you to be. So I was just like this blank slate. And I got in trouble in photo shoots because I'll talk so much and I wanted to ask how they were doing. I wanted to play and dance and like, no, too much. So, you know, I started to learn that there was more to me and I wanted to be more expressed and more free, really. Mm-hmm. And obviously, since I just to end this, because we, we started talking about the eating disorders, it, I had a little bit of space because I didn't have to keep up with that weight so much anymore. So there was a little bit of space that I could be like, oh. I guess I am okay like this. Oh, you know, I, I now looking back, there were little glimpses of, oh, there's, it's like a, a tiny percentage of acceptance that this is okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And it took, it took still many more years for that to really, you know, internalize. But that was really the beginning when I had finally stayed from that business. It's so interesting because it sounds like you were, you were constantly receiving outside messages that, your body was not quite right in some way, the way that it was. And, you know, we all have different um, self-perception. Growing up, my primary body dysmorphia was around my belly, you know? So I've told people when I talk about body love, there was there's actually a way in which it's really just about belly love, which is so powerful now having an understanding of energetics and understanding the subtle body and understanding the physical body, but specifically the low belly area, the navel point. I mean, this is our storehouse of emotions, of power. And I spent, you know, over a, over a decade, oh, longer than that, probably 20 years, hate, absolutely hating my belly. Like it was like, you know, I could critique any other part of myself as well, but it was like everything else was kind of okay, but I hated this. And it's so interesting as I grew older and started to witness the the ways in which I needed healing, specifically the wound of sexual violence in my life and spiritual oppression, well, that's where those live, right? Like life force energy that lives in our sacral chakra, that lives in our low belly, um, the spiritual energy, the manipura, like our, our center of will, like it, it's the navel is really important. Even in the Bible, it says out of the belly will come uh, rivers of living water. This is in uh, one translation and it's really, it's really beautiful. Um, but it's so interesting that for you, you said as soon as there wasn't a requirement for you to hate yourself, you were able to have that little modicum of self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me wonder for everybody that's listening, like if we stopped putting ourselves in those situations of comparison and competition, if we maybe slowed down on our consumption of media or social media where people are only portraying themselves in this angle or in that light or whatever. Um, If we maybe stopped reading some of the magazines or, or whatever, like if we could remove the external requirement that's saying that we need to look a certain way. And if we could, just like you had the opportunity to do in your yoga training, if we could go inward, if we could just sit with ourselves for a little while, maybe we'd find that we're actually acceptable as we are Um, and I feel like that's like a lot of what your your entire um mission really in is in now so I want to hear so you went to India and you had this 10-day experience and that was like the little match you know igniting in the dark what happened after how did you get from there to here because that's six (laughs) six six years ago or five years I don't know five years 2014 yeah five years ago yeah 
Um, so that first trip in India was kind of like I was discovering. So I did, I was just doing courses and sitting with people. So I did a permaculture course and then I went to Bali and then I did a Vipassana and then I lived in Amman's ashram. So I was just, I, I was like a little kid that like found something new that made sense. You know, I was like so curious and I was like, oh my God, I never, I forgot how much I enjoy learning. I literally forgot how much I enjoy discovering and how much I enjoy like witnessing people because I was so caught up on focusing on what was wrong and what was missing and what was lacking within me. And it was, it was fascinating. Obviously India is like a whole different world. So I could just sit outside and like watch people that I would be find blessings and lessons. So that trip to India, I, you know, went on pilgrimages and sat alone and studied. I actually ended up doing a Vipassana training that trip as well and did a permaculture course and lived in Bali and danced my ass off to kind of integrate and then went back to India to just be like, okay, what happened here? It was like, there's a whole, there's a huge door that opened and there was fear actually with coming back to the West because I was like, oh my God, I found I found a little bit of space and a little bit of peace here, but I don't want to go back to where everything kind of ignited and started all the fears and the traumas. But I was like, no, it's time. This is part of the process is to go. And my teacher was just like, you will only go, you are meant to be in that world, at least for now, you know, because I contemplated becoming a nun actually. I was just like, well, I found something that works this time. This is, there's something new here. There's something that makes me feel at peace and connected here. So why do I have to go back there? So I come back. And then I actually go back to India a year later. And that's when I did my teacher training. And then I started teaching yoga. And when everything started to internalize was I found this wisdom of my mind, this intelligence of my mind made sense with aligning with the wisdom of my body. Because, you know, you, I was practicing yoga physically in my body for like 12 hours. And I was like, whoa there's so much here that I had no idea existed so much strength and so much fear as well. And I started to notice where I was holding tension. Yes. Around my belly and how I spent three years going to physical therapy because my dad was like, your posture is terrible. But no, I was just so afraid. I was trying to protect myself and I was, you know, walking like a hunchback, but it was just because I wanted, I felt like I was needed to protect my heart and get you close. And I was like, well, actually, I don't need it anymore because now I get to, you know, extending my power. Of course, it was wobbly in the beginning, but I had a little more of, of a connection to I can do this. There was, I noticed that there was a space for a potential there. So that trip was very much focused on my yoga training. And I started to teach there and my second yoga teacher training. And it's a, it's a, it's a journey when you are in India, when you go with this kind of like, okay, I had a plan. I'm here for this. But then, you know, it kind of gives you all this other lessons. Life just shows up. And I found that I had to be super flexible as well to meet myself and everything that I was receiving with that space. So I sat and just lived in the south of, of India and kind of took, gave myself the space to see what is all this, to read back on my notes, to sit with myself, to meditate. And then I realized that at that time, I was like, okay, I found something that makes sense and I think I'm, I think that I'm, I'm ready to bring this to others because I knew how much other people were suffering as well. And I was like, well, if I, if I could find a little space within me, if I could, you know, be a little bit more okay with myself, everyone also could. Obviously, you know, everyone has different traumas and different stories, but there is no trauma big enough that it cannot be healed. This is also scientifically proven from my studies on contemplative psychotherapy. We all have the potential to heal. So it was at the end of the second trip that I decided that I was so inspired and so empowered by what I had found that I was like, I'm, I want to bring this out and I want to share and continue to learn and continue to express. So I came back and, <clears throat> you know, I lived at Omega upstate New York for mm -hmm. some time and started teaching there because it was almost like a, ease into being back in the western mm -hmm. New York society was like oh let me just live at a retreat center upstate because there is a bit more of a safety net and then I ended up going to Los Angeles where I started teaching meditation and yoga and one of my oldest best friends <clears throat> and I launched this women's all-day um, all-day retreat empowerment workshop called wild woman where I where we both combine our forces from acting and, and modeling to meditation, breathwork, movement, vocal release, embodiment, and 
healing our bodies as a way to truly feel empowered. And I did that for almost a year until I decided, okay, I'm ready to come back to New York because I would walk around the city and still see the old self crying in that corner and like mm -hmm. feeling angry in that and like falling here. Mm -hmm. So it took me some time to really heal those wounds to be able to come back here and share. So it's been an incredible journey that I get to, you know, now live in the city where so much was activated. Now I've, you know, have space to have healed those and share these practices that continue to save me and transform my life. Um, yeah, I do a lot of work now, mostly one-on-one -on -one with clients, which is so, so special to sit with others one-on-one -on -one and kind of like hear them and witness them. And that's all we really want, right? I think that we kind of touched on and we all just want to feel like there's someone else there experiencing something as well. And we don't feel so alone, you know, mm -hmm. that's like, the the nugget that I keep coming back to it's like no we're not alone we're all having this experience in our own ways but similar very similar you know mm -hmm. yeah I think um people ultimately we all want to be seen and heard and loved just as we are like that's what we're hungry for um and you very much had like the hero or the heroine's journey, you know, like you, you going from New York and going out and encountering your teachers and learning your lessons and figuring out then how to, how to mine those lessons for the gold that, um, you know, or really even just how to transmute mute your pain into gold. So the mm -hmm. alchemy of that process and then being able to come back and serve. And it's so interesting that you said you thought about being a nun. One of the things I've comforted myself with so many times over the years is, you know, if my husband dies, if my child dies, if, if everything in my life falls apart, there's always the ashram. I'll just go and I'll just take the vows of sannyasin and I'll become a monk and, or a nun, you know, or um, just give my life to the pursuit of spiritual things. And I think, um, I think that's almost an escapist fantasy when we're in this like stage of life, because if you look at the greatest spiritual teachers, they all served, you know, they all at one point or another came said, I have to share this with other people. So I think it's really beautiful that you're able to be in that experience now. Um, so one of the things when you were talking about the wild women workshop, you talked about vocal release and using these different tools to help people get embodied for those who are still like for people listening who are maybe like what even is embodiment a i don't even know or like they feel so disconnected from their voice that um maybe they don't even understand like what vocal expression or vocal release has to do with living a more fulfilled life. Can you speak to that a little bit? How did finding your voice and how does vocal activation help you feel more empowered in your life? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, interesting that you brought up the word embodiment because it's such a vague, huge word. And I, I see it that it's being used so much right now. And a part of me just like, oh, but it is. Embodiment to me means that you're living truly in awareness of your body. You're living present. You're attentive you are aware of not only the, the emotions and the feelings that you experience, you're aware of your feet and what's happening around you. There's a little of like being attentive and being present and having a presence, meaning your posture, your awareness and your breathing. I think it's like a combination of all of that. And also with this intention that you are doing good, you're living aligned with your values because it's mm -hmm. one thing that you, you are totally in your body and you look at that person like, wow, they look great. Oh my God. But then, they're not doing kind things to themselves and the, and the world. So it's, it's lacking. And then there's something missing because it is in our nature that we all inherently are this. We are good. And the natural next step is that we are altruistic. It is part of our, na our nature. So we find something that works and we want to share. Hence what we are both doing here. And what happens with the voice is that we share, we speak to communicate, we speak to ask, we speak to say thank you, we speak to essentially everything, our mind thinks in words. So when we don't speak, it's like we're holding ourselves and we're squashing something down and we're not processing, we're not giving ourselves the space to share. Interestingly enough, I have just been spending time with my mom because she's going through chemo chemotherapy now for breast cancer. So I've been spending the past three months in Florida and I've been in New York for some time and I'm going back 
And this was, uh, this is actually a huge part of her healing. Like, mom, you have to tell me what you're feeling. We have to talk about it because I feel also not to generalize, but I think as, as women, we are kind of conditioned to think that we need to just keep everything together and everything's fine. And we only say what we're asked or what we're supposed to No, we get angry. We are, we have anger within us. We all experience all emotions. And rage actually is a very powerful way to move through things and use that as wisdom. So when you express through that before a place, like I want to speak this emotions or I want to share this sound through my voice as a way to come into clarity, as a way to clear this old shackles out of me, mm -hmm. to come back into joy, it needs to come out one way or another. So speaking and writing and reading it back to you or looking at yourself in the mirror and, you know, saying kind, nice, soft words or screaming into a pillow or just making you know voice odd crazy sounds with your voice you start to notice that something begins to open it's like it connects I like to think too that the voice is the way that the mind and the heart connect mm -hmm. because they got to come out in a way or another you know we are in a world where we communicate this is how we connect communication through our voice is a huge part of it obviously so much is said without words as well however For you to get to that point, which is more subtle, the words need to come out. Everything that you've kind of been hiding needs to, needs to be expressed in this way. So the vocal release, which comes in from the face stretches, is such a powerful way to you feel a little bit more free and connected to your body and to your truth and your power, really. In Kundalini Yoga, one of the things that, one of the teachings is about um, the nod, the sound current, right? That all energy abides in, in sound. And there's a teaching that the most healing sound in the world for us is the sound of our own voice. And, and I get chills as I say that because it's something that like, you know, I think it's okay. I think we can generalize a little bit here and the women who are the exception can self-identify as the exception, but I agree with you. I think women are conditioned to be quiet, to be silent, to maybe, maybe if it's not as extreme as not speak until spoken to, there's still, there's even conditioning around, is my voice prettier? Is my voice ugly? Is it the right pitch or is it not the right pitch? Um, you know, I don't have a good voice, right? So I can't sing. Um, I don't, I'm not a good dancer, so I can't dance. It's like, th these, this conditioning starts so young. And so we cut ourselves off from this most potent and powerful healing tool very early on. And then in our 30s and 40s and 50s, you know, you find women who are uh, starting to do their healing work and starting to look at um, their boundaries and look at the ways that they've, um, that they've either allowed themselves to speak or not speak. And there's this, this, you can see it in people. There's this block that happens at the throat and they'll try to express something and it gets stuck and the face gets all red and then they start crying. And it's like, man, if there's just this, if there, if, if the facial stretches just open this a little bit, you guys start doing your facial stretches, go follow moon on Instagram and watch her story highlights and just move your face. Right? Like, I don't, is there a right way to do it moon or a wrong way? Is it just like, whatever, just move your face. However, it feels I think, good. I think you just need to start moving your face in however way you want. And notice that sometimes too, like I do this with clients and I'm just like, let's do face stretches. And sometimes it just go like, like for you guys that are not seeing us, but it's like, just like a little bit. I'm like, no, I want to see <laughs> your big face. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like screaming to a pillow or like say the words they wanted to say, because it, it needs to come out one way or another. You know what I mean? And I mean, I had so many issues with speaking. I used to stutter and I had a lisp. And when, when I got angry, I would, I would look up and start screaming and then like stop and like literally freeze and, For, for coming from that to like, whoa, now truly my voice is one of the most healing aspects of myself and how I communicate and guide practices. It's a legendary thing to just be like, there is potential and there is something here. And like, my voice is unlike anyone's and you're so powerful, so beautiful, but there's no one else that is expressing as you are with the sound. It's, it is like the voice carries this, this um, subtleties that are who we are, you know? And I, I encourage everyone to do the face stretches to screaming to a pillow every day, there's something to come out, to look at yourself in the mirror and say kind words to yourself with a soft, loving voice, because sometimes the internal dialogue also comes in very negative and 
and full of judgment. So when you could just look at yourself and say, hi, like it, sometimes I whisper and I'm say, oh, hi, my love. How are you? Mm. Oh, thank you. You know, it's like, I wish I had spoken to myself like that when I was like 17, 18, 19, but it was just me, rageful and on the inside, obviously. So now to say this, words to outwardly with such soft tone and healing it's it's incredibly powerful as well um so i think that this is the entryway to a lot of of our ways to step into our power is to reclaim our voices reclaim this power of communication through this medium mm-hmm. and i love those tips that you gave when i um and i asked you about you know what you feel like is one of the greatest challenges that we face you, you spoke about comparison and competition and this perception that there is uh, a destination, an outside measure of success. So um, if that's the most common thing that we are all encountering is this comparison and competition trap, what can we do day to day? And I mean, right now, I mean, what can people do when they stop? So we have the face stretches, we have screaming into a pillow, we have using the voice. What are some of the other things um, that people can do to start to just, just open themselves or just start to heal, just to even take one step in that direction? Uh, What do you guide your clients and students to do? So the first thing I do is to develop a relationship with your breath. Because the breath is the easiest and most powerful tool to bring us back into the present moment. Because if we're comparing or if we're competing, we're not present. We're literally thinking about the future or we're ruminating about the past. So we can just take a long, deep breath. It gives a little bit of space in the midst of the chaos of the streaming, wild, crazy thoughts of the mind. So take a breath. Oh, there's a little space. Oh, there's a little space. And within that little space, you can gift yourself with, I'm good. I am enough. I'm here. I will start again. Or I'm enough. I, I, I really feel like saying, saying such words as I am good, I am enough, I am powerful, I am present, I am kind, you know, and I'm not saying that you need to address your physical aspect in this very moment. Let's start from the inside to really what it means to be us. We are our kind. We are good. We are powerful. We are resilient. You are, we are enough. So when you give yourself the little space with the breath and then you gift your mind this positive reminder, it's like you instantly start to water the side of the garden of your mind that reminds you of this resilient, powerful, beautiful, inherent good nature that we have rather than to continue to water the side that's like, you're not good, you're bad, there's something better, let's compare, let's compete, let's judge. So we don't need to look at that so much. It's like the moment that you notice, you give yourself the positive. You take a breath and you come back into your body. Maybe you fix your shoulders, roll them round and back to give a little space for the heart. It's like, okay, I'm taking a long breath in and a long breath out. And I'm just reminding myself that I'm okay, that I am good, that I am enough. Even in the beginning, there's a little voice in the background that says, yeah, right. You know, you're not, you know, the self-judgment is still coming in. Just say, no, you're okay, my love. Hi, I see you, but I'm good. I really am. I'm enough. In the beginning of my practices, I I have lost count of how many times a day I would just say, I'm enough. I'm okay. I'm right here. Everything that I need is within me right now. And then, oh, there's a little space. Oh, and there's it is again. But it takes discipline. You know, it's not like a pill that you're going to take one day and then tomorrow no thoughts and you're perfect and everything's fine. Like we all need to remember that it takes work to heal. It takes work to live in our powers. But the moment that you start to do it, it becomes exciting because you see how it feels. It's like you feel empowered by the practices. You feel empowered by the insights that you're getting. So you want more of it in a way. Like I look forward to meditating, even though sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, I'm tired. Oh, I could sleep a little bit more. Oh, I don't want to meditate. And I'm like, and then it comes, oh, remember how good it feels? Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, the space that you create? So I get myself out of the bed and I sit and I breathe and I chant and I do the vocal and I, you know, work with the spiritual toolkit, as I say. It's like this tiny fact that you always have with you to reach in whenever you need. Maybe the breath work, maybe the mantra, maybe the vocal release or the shaking or the screaming into a pillow or the simple loving touch hand to hand 
and you whisper to yourself, you're good, you are enough. Like it's so, it is really simple, but we complicate things. Like the mind just overly complicates everything. But it starts with taking a moment for yourself with yourself. That's so beautiful. And it is interesting. Like we do complicate it. And we also, unfortunately, so often bring that bring the uh, trap of comparison and competition into the spiritual practice. And we, you know, might listen to someone like you and say, well, Moon's really good at being spiritual. She's the best meditator and I'm a shitty meditator, right? Like we have this, and it's so, so um, I think important to hear you say, like, just notice that and say, okay, good, bad, whatever. Like, I'm going to do the practice. Let me just do the practice because I know it will make me feel Good. I know that there's others who are wondering this too. Do you still struggle, Moon? Of course. I'm still in this human experience just as much as all of us. And I think that it'll be it will be a big, big lie to just say, Oh no, I have found all the answers. I'm like, honey, if you have found the answers, you wouldn't be here. You are in mind and you have gone somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know? Of course I struggle. Of course I have I have the moments of doubt and the self-sabotage, like I mentioned to you prior, and it comes with like, well, but what about that teacher? Oh, what about that? And then I remind myself that there is no other moon. And it is scary, but it's also empowering because I remind myself that I have something to share. And by sharing, I am also healing. And each one of us carries something very unique and individual to ourselves that we all need. You know, we're all part of this big play that is life but we are coming with different spices as we said before that is so absolutely necessary and when I catch myself I'm like well this is who I am and this is how I'm expressing and there isn't really a roadblock to a lot of the stuff that we're doing so I just remind myself that I'm going to keep doing what makes me feel good what makes me feel free what makes me feel empowered and that will be healing to me and literally that will heal others that's the only thing that's literally the only comforting thing that I remind myself and my clients like you need to do what feels good to you what you know nourishes your heart and makes you feel connected to this spaciousness within and from that it happens like I met with people like you and friends and nature and healing and transformation and opportunities because I'm caring for this aspect of me and doing things that nourish this aspect of you you know surround ourselves with people that remind the goodness in us don't go out because all your friends are going out and they're getting drunk and they're talking shit about their coworkers because you think that that's what you need to do. No, you have to take a moment to reassess and say, I actually, this is not feeding me. And in the beginning, it feels a bit like, oh, maybe I'm alone. Maybe I need to take some more time with myself. But yeah, to understand and clear out what actually is no longer serving your highest good. And it takes real like I am taking responsibility for my healing. I'm taking agency of my healing and I'm going to do this for myself because it takes us, you know, everyone around us will help in the books and the podcast, but we need to show up for ourselves first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Moon, um, you are in the entrepreneurial journey. You're self-employed. You have your coaching practice. You have your teaching practice. You offer retreats. Um, how, how has that journey been in serving people as a spiritual mentor? Um, have you found it easy and organic to step into offering your gifts in exchange for money? Has there been resistance or struggle in the entrepreneurial journey? Have there been times that you've been afraid that you're not going to be financially supported because I know all the yoga teachers listening and meditation teachers and healers, which is a huge part of the community that I have the privilege of being in. Um, there is this kind of little bit of conditioning of the nobility of poverty, right? In some teachings, it's like, oh, we we believe somehow that we're not really meant to be abundant and provided for because it's not noble somehow. Um, and then on the other end, there's the grasping and coveting and kind of hunger for financial stability and abundance and, and money, um, which can have its shadow side. But where have you found yourself falling in the spectrum? Because it seems like you're just in this beautiful place of easeful trust and grace and that the money is just always coming and it's so 
you know, it's so I, you're like, her eyes, you guys, her, her eyes are like, you gotta be kidding me, right? Uh, but I know people have this perception of me too. And I want to break that perception because we still struggle. There's still times that it's like, Ooh, okay. Maybe the bills are paid for the next month. And then I don't know where the next money is coming from. So what is that aspect of monetizing this spiritual gifting? What has that been like for you? And what is it like now? Wonderful question. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um, from my perspective, believing that we don't need money, you're not living in the real world right now. We live yeah. in a capitalist world. We need money. I have a computer. We need things. We need to pay for bills. We need to buy clothes. And it's, it's, money is just an energy exchange. I need to charge for my services. You need to charge for your services mm -hmm. and vice versa. And now accepting that I have something to share and what I am doing is helping the world and mm -hmm. finding the value in that, that is definitely a practice and I'm constantly playing with that. But it takes a lot of integrity. Like, why am I charging this amount? Am I charging this amount because, oh, I heard of that teacher charging that amount or no, do I really believe that this is what feels in alignment? And it takes, again, this awareness of, of you being okay with what you are doing and you checking in with yourself. Why are you doing certain things? And obviously there are days that I'm like, oh, maybe I need to do more. Maybe I need to do less. And knowing that I am worthy of making millions of dollar, dollars to help millions of people. Like this is one of my, you know, prosperity mantras that it is absolutely necessary. And yes, I want to make a lot of money because I do want to help a lot of people and money is required to build houses, to build schools, to build orphanages, to mm -hmm. spread the message, to build a website, to buy mm -hmm. shoes for everything. And if you are living in denial from that, then there's definitely a lack in that. And I feel like I, mean, I did a lot of work around reminding myself that I am worthy of making money so that I could survive, that I was worthy of, you know, living in this power and sharing something very special and unique. And it takes work, but I believe that it, money and sexuality are also so connected and like awareness of who we are and our power is so connected to like, but it, it, it is a process that we all need to do and make and create to step into our power. And I invite people to just ask, why are you doing this? Like, what is the intention behind it? Is this aligned with your values? Is this, what, are you doing this because you want to be Instagram famous? That, no, it's not going to be, it's not sustainable. It's not going to go anywhere. Or are you becoming a yoga teacher because it's the next cool tea thing to do? Or are you a coach because that's what everyone's doing and you get to travel the world? It's not sustainable that way. You, you must do things because they serve us and they serve the highest good. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing something from that space, there's also a, a mysterious layer of trust that you will be taken care of because we are. It's, it's scary sometimes. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, wow. And things just, they work. And I'm not sitting here saying that I sit in this, my house and I'm just like, oh, trusting everything work out. No, we work hard. You show up. Mm -hmm. You put yourself out there. You talk about what you're doing because it is a business and it takes practice because the business is you, you are the message, you are the medicine. Mm -hmm. So having ownership that it takes the layer of like being vulnerable from that space as well. And for more vulnerability, for more, you know, sensibility, we come from like, Oh wow, I'm running a business and I'm selling something just as much as the person that's selling groceries next door, but I'm wanting to help. You know? And I think that to just round this whole thing, it's to just remind all of us to, check in and say, why are we doing this? You know, what is my intention behind it? Is this aligned with my values? And how can I know that I'm doing something to help myself and help others? Because it is incredibly healing for me to have this dialogue with you, to sit with my clients. This is constant teacher-student exchange. You know, I don't sit in a throne and say, I know all the answers and come here and I'll tell you. It's not. It's a constant exchange. And I'm always learning. I'm always growing and always readjusting and reevaluating, getting rid of some things and bringing other things in. That's just the dance of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Moon, I love that. And I feel like one of the things that you said about checking in and making sure that you're in integrity and in alignment with the value of your offering and, and, you know, really looking for that comparison um, or copying just what other people are doing. Cause I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls for a lot of us, especially when people are just starting out and they maybe don't have the um, value confidence in whatever it is that they're offering. And so they're just like, well, what's moon charging or what's Amelia charging? And it's like, you know, there's, I think one of the things that you said that 
really was important for me to hear today is just this reminder that like a pricing is completely subjective B, it's impact-driven. So what do I know is the value of this impact in your life? And in order to know what that is, we have to be in the practice of whatever it is for ourselves. Because if we're out of our yoga practice, if we're out of our meditation practice, if we're out of our breath work, if we're out of our self-awareness in it, then we we get into the place where we we struggle to have that confidence in our impact. And it's because we've forgotten how much these practices heal ourselves. And I'm, I'm coaching myself right now, you guys, because there is that period of, that we all get into in entrepreneurship where we almost get used to or accustomed to a certain level of being provided for. And then if you go into one of those valley periods where you maybe don't have that provision and it is the divine shaking you up and saying, hey, wake up. Don't forget, you're here to serve. This isn't just an easy, you know, machine of money and clients and whatever. Like this is purposeful. Um, it invites you to re-examine. So I think this is for me and for all of us. If you're struggling right now with either client generation, if you're struggling with, um, with, you know, sales confidence or with confidence in your your value of your program, check in. Are you in the work? Are you doing the things? that you're coaching or guiding or teaching or speaking or mentoring other people on? Because maybe the answer is you lost a little bit of that in the hustle to create your website, in the drive to create your marketing materials, and you forgot the why. You know, you forgot that it's because you're here to serve and you're here to, to share with people this incredible transformation and healing that you've had. So thank you, Moon, because I needed that reminder that today, today I needed that <laughs> reminder. Um, okay. So I want to ask you one more question and then I'm going to get us into a little bit of book club and some golden nuggets. But so by the time this episode airs, this will have already happened, but I am going into surgery tomorrow and I'm having these breast implants removed from my body. I've had these breast implants since I was 22 years old. I got them when I was dating some older wealthy men just for their money. I was doing, I was actually, I think we're around the same age. Are you 33? Mm-hmm. I was in New York around the same time as you were in New York at 22 dating this older man. He got, he said, Hey, you know, I'll buy you these breast implants. And so I got them. And so for 10 years, I've had these in my body, 11 years, and they're kind of the last vestige of that period of self-loathing and trauma. And I'm getting them taken out tomorrow, but I'm afraid. I am so afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to hate myself. I'm afraid that I'm going to not like my body. I'm afraid I'm going to look at my saggy skin breasts and feel not good enough or unworthy. And so there's other people listening who, I don't care if it's your breasts or your belly or your hobbit foot or your hairy eyebrow, your unibrow, whatever, whatever, this thing that you're identifying yourself with and you're worth with, how can I intentionally love myself tomorrow after these boobies come out and then ongoing and adapt to my new body? What would you tell me? First of all, bravo, brave, courage. Like, wow, I'm so glad that you're taking this step because it is like the next level of your healing and your transformation to be like, I am done with that part of me. I'm no longer that person. And I feel like we expect that we take the turn and we think, well, I made the turn, so everything's gone. I'm good. But it takes the readjusting. So there, it's like you're cleaning this house, but then you open this little room and there's still old dusty in there which could be the voices of saying oh but why'd you do that am I not gonna like myself I invite you to just accept that that is there accept that you may feel disconnected from your body and forgive that part of you that wishes that still believes that having the implants makes you good or pretty or enough and just say you know this is a new this is a new expression for me this is a new time of my life and just be with the with this sort of like it is a, a dance in a way because it's not going to happen overnight but know that you know you have the support of your practice of your community to express and say today feels really shitty but I'm okay mm-hmm. it, just saying that today feels like I don't know why I did that but I'm okay like always reminding yourself that no emotion is final and no emotion defines who we are and there's always a little part of us that is okay this beautiful, wise, wonderful woman that you are that is making this wonderful choice. So 
you know, finding a little space to come back to that. We're like, oh, wow, this feels really strange, but I'm okay. There's always a little part of us that feels okay. And the more we recognize it, it expands. And know that, you know, it will be okay. It will be a process, a practice of readjustment, of learning how to be in your body yet again. But you've come such a long way. So now it's like, oh, well, I have the tools. I have the practice. I have a community. And I have family and friends that are here to support me. And, you know, if you are listening to this and perhaps you're going through a similar situation and you don't have, reach out, you know, express and share what it is that you are feeling because it humanizes the experience so much when we share what it is that we're going through and you don't feel so alone and you, you know, reach out for support because we could never do this alone. We're not meant to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully agree that healing happens in community. And thank you for that because, um, cause I know that stuff. You I know. know what I mean? I know. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm excited about it. I'm so excited to greet myself and love her. Right. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's going to be, I, I have this vision of myself having them taken out, laughing, crying tears of joy as I look in the mirror and just holding whatever my boobs look like then and being like, I love you. I love you. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for you. So thank you for that. I know we have to wrap this up. I want to know moon. You have obviously done so much work around self-love and self-expression and self-awareness. And hopefully maybe some of that has come uh, through the form of literature. And maybe there are some books that you can recommend for people who are either just getting started on this path or want to get to the place of radical self-acceptance and self-love um, that you know that that we're working towards being in all the time. Is there a book you can recommend for our book club for our listeners or more? Than um, yes. So the first thing that comes to mind is actually "Women Who Run with Wolves." I think that's a very powerful one for women and for embodiment and empowerment and just like the awareness of the power that we all have in our bodies and in our hearts and in our minds. Another one that also comes to mind is. I mean, really anything from Sharon Salzberg, who is like the, like the meta queen, the highest vision meditation teacher. She teaches love and kindness. She's a Western teacher who's been teaching the Dharma for many, many years. But the way that she simplifies the idea of compassion and kindness and love and communication and expression is just like amazing. I recommend it to all of my clients. And, you know, I think that we all have to understand the power and the potential that we all have for the healing to really happen. It's like you see the potential and you're like, okay, I see what's possible. So I'm going to continue moving towards that. She kind of gives you this vision. And another one is my teacher, Tenzin Palmo, who lived in a cave for 13 years. There's a book that shares this powerful, beautiful story of her life, Cave in the Snow. It's like, what's the name? Oh my God. Cave in the Snow by Tenzin Palmo. Um, A woman interviewed her for almost a year and and a wrote the story of her life leading up to living in the cave and what happened when she came back and what she found. And it's just a beautiful story that stays with me and the nuggets that she shares um, from the Dharma and the teachings. So those are the three that are coming to mind in this moment. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, and I want to leave our listeners with just a few words of encouragement, wisdom, or advice. If you had you know, 30 seconds in an elevator with someone and you had to give them uh, just words of encouragement or words of, of, of advice that you think are most impactful, what would you tell them? Oh, I want to remind everyone that you are enough, that everything that you need is within you right now, that it takes you taking a moment to take a breath, roll your shoulders, shake it off a little bit and Establish a relationship with your breath, with the powers that live within you, and that it is a practice to show up every day, and you are doing amazing, and remember that you are worthy of healing, of transforming, of living in your power, and that your past does not define who you are. What defines who you are is this choice to be here, is this choice to show up, to be kind, and to live in your fullest potential every day. Yes, queen. (laughs) All right, you guys, I know you have fallen in love with Moon. And if you're not already following her on social media, go hit her up on Instagram at Moon DeSimone. It's M-O-U-N-D-S-I-M-O-N-E. The same for her website, right? MoonDeSimone.com. 
and she has a meditation, um, a meditation challenge, meditation series. It's, a, it's called the Daily Insights on Insight Timer. It's a free meditation app, and they have incredible meditation. So it's coming out on October 14th, October 10th, actually. So it's three meditations, a five, a 10, and 20 minutes, and it's titled How to Love Yourself a Little More Today. Oh my gosh, you guys go get it. It's out right now. By the time this publishes, it'll be out right now. So head to Insight Timer. You can probably type in Moon's name or type in how to love yourself um, and those should come up. And we'll also link them in uh, the show notes. So you can just click down below the show if you want to find a fast track. So please go say what's up to Moon on social media, send her a DM, let her know how much this episode impacted you. If you loved it, you know, do a screen grab, share it on stories, tag us. We want to love you back. We want to connect with you. Um, because like you said, Moon, we're not doing this alone. We're all doing this together. So thank you so much for just sharing your gifts with me this morning. I appreciate you so deeply and I'm so thankful to be um, connected with you. And Amelia, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a joy, such an honor. I feel deeply connected with you and I'm so honored to have shared this time with you. And thank you for the work that you are doing. You are a force and I'm so glad that we get to do this together. So thank you so much for doing what you do and showing up so beautifully. You're welcome. All right. Big love to you guys and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories, tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.